0: Listener Production.
1: Welcome to Concussion, where Professor Vicki Anderson helps you understand everything important you need to know about head injuries, the lasting effects it may have, or whether it's just nothing to worry about. Okay, Vicky. let's break it down. What are the symptoms of a concussion and then what are the steps we take to start diagnosing and managing it?
0: Okay, well, starting really right at the very beginning, the first symptom is um, the hit on the head.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a proportion of those hits won't be concussions, so they, they won't lead to any consequences at all, so we don't have to worry about those. Um And then there's another um, percentage of kids who will fall to the ground. They'll be dazed. Sometimes they might look as though they're having a seizure. They'll be twitchy, although it's not a, a true seizure. They'll often be helped up or get up and be a bit wobbly and not know where they're going. They they might be like you and uh, want to play for the other side or kick a goal in <laughs> the, the wrong direction. So when we see those kind of symptoms, then we're really keen to get the child off the ground. Then once we get them off the ground, it's quite important to watch them because, you know, we've talked about different severities of injuries. Most of them will be concussions, but sometimes kids will have a focal hit to the head and they might have a bleed or, or something like that, which will need rapid medical attention. And so um, in our guidelines, we start with taking the child off the ground and sitting them out for the rest of the game so we don't put them back on and then observing them and if there are any worrying medical signs like ongoing seizures or deteriorating consciousness, then we would be calling an ambulance. And otherwise what we do is encourage communication with parents if they're not around to take the child to um, get some medical attention just to check out that they're okay. So that's that's the, the typical sidelines for when a child has a concussion playing sport. It's a similar kind of model if the child falls off a a monkey bar or something, but obviously it's the parent's decision to do all of those things. Mm
1: -hmm. So what are those guidelines?
0: So up until a few years ago, we didn't have any child guidelines and Mm -hmm. um, there's just been some developed by, uh, there's been a number developed. So the international ones are the International Mm -hmm. Concussion in Sports Group Guidelines they outline very carefully what needs to happen so what i've just described comes from those guidelines and there's there's various formal assessment tools that you can use so the concussion recognition tool is is one once the child is off the ground and either gone for medical attention or gone in an ambulance or whatever, they will often have um, the sports concussion assessment test, which is looking at their orientation. Do they know what day it is? Do they know who they are? Um, looking at their attention and memory and checking whether they've had any spinal injury, which is always a concern. And again, that sports concussion assessment tool is a, is used by pretty much all sporting codes. But a neurologist or a neurosurgeon or a rehabilitation physician will all do those kinds of assessments with a child to make sure that they're recovered or if not, to identify where their symptoms are and how serious they are.
1: So the majority of concussions caused on the sporting field?
0: About half of concussions, at least f- from um, our studies, about half of concussions are sports concussions, so on the sporting field. Mm-hmm. And, and others will be in all kinds of other action, leisure activities. At uh, home? Uh, yeah, it can be at home. And, you know, with younger kids, it's very often at home falling off tables and chairs mm-hmm. or, or, you know, sporting equipment, uh, play equipment, things
1: like that. So it's pretty important, I guess, for parents to know what to do then, Because, you know, when, you're, when we're at sports, generally there's a physio there, someone mm. with medical knowledge that could attend, but at home, not quite. Absolutely. Mm.
0: Absolutely. So our approach and our recommendations to families is to err on the conservative side. So if their child's had a head knock and they, uh, their behaviour changes at all, then to go and see a
1: doctor. And I guess raising more awareness around the community as well so that everyone can pitch in and help out. It's,
0: it's really interesting that um, we we recently did a study where we, we looked at parents' awareness of concussion and, um, and that followed on from a, another study that's been done in New Zealand. And we actually found that the parents who were bringing their kids in with a concussion had a really poor knowledge of what a concussion was, what to expect. And it was particularly interesting for the families whose children had had their injuries uh, playing sport. So, for example, the AFL has its own guidelines on its website. It's very clear. There's the Australian Institute of Sport has a website with, with guidelines as well. But of the kids that, that we saw in our emergency department, only 5% of parents were even aware of those guidelines. So, wow. It was, it was really telling, and I suppose it identified for us a major problem. So, as researchers, we can, we can publish our work in the best journals for other medical people to read. We can put information on websites, but we're not getting to the people that we need to know. And um, over the past couple of years, we've been really working towards. Providing these guidelines in a more accessible way to families, and and particularly focusing on rural families that often don't have access to to doctors, and and so we've developed a, an app called HeadCheck, which we're going to talk about at another time, mm-hmm. that provides all those guidelines on a free app that you can download on um, Android or, or iPhone.
1: Mm. So you mentioned that with kids and adolescents, that it's more it's about a four week recovery process. Mm before they're back on the field. Is that four weeks, are we monitoring them over that four weeks and longer? Or is it about that month period where we can kind of say, yeah, okay, they're pretty good. I don't have to keep watching them like a hawk anymore.
0: So I think what you see uh, after a concussion is gradually resolving symptoms. And so by four weeks, you'd be really hoping you didn't need to worry uh, about any more monitoring. But uh, during, until those symptoms do resolve, it is quite important to be monitoring them because the best way to support accelerated recovery is to make sure that kids are being active to the point where they, their symptoms start to emerge. So you don't want a child to be sitting at home doing nothing for that four weeks. You want them to to rest for a couple of days and then you want them to gradually start getting back into action. So we have a, a graded recovery approach where you would say, okay, the two days are up. Now you can go and start walking. And then if you don't get any symptoms, so if you don't have any, any headaches or you don't Um, feel dizzy, then the next day you could go for a jog. And the next day you could um, maybe go to training. And uh, each time when there's no symptoms, then they can move on to the next stage. If they have symptoms, then they just try the same thing again. And we do that with, that's the way we get returned to sport, but similarly return to school. A lot of kids return to school too early and find it exhausting yeah. and really distressing. So we really encourage families to start, you know, maybe in day three, day four with gradual return to school. So maybe go for half a day or go for a couple of days and have a day off and come home early. Don't do any homework. So we're often writing uh, letters to school saying Johnny should mm. not be doing homework now because he's had a concussion.
1: Lucky little <laughs> Johnny. <laughs>
0: Sometimes kids do take advantage of that. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Does anything happen if, if they don't do that recovery process, they do just sit at home and do nothing? Is there any, what sort of issues do we see if that happens?
0: Two things. One is a really neat research study that looked at Um, the impact of more or less rest in that acute stage. And what they found was that the more rest kids had, the longer their symptoms lasted. So that's been a very powerful message. And so the field has gone from saying you must not do anything to saying, okay, you must Mm -hmm. start getting moving. And in the context of my clinical work, I have seen, luckily, a small number of kids who have been advised to rest until their symptoms have ceased. And I, I tend to see kids at about that month mark where they should be better and if they're not, parents are concerned. And so one month, they still have the same symptoms that they had when they were um, injured. In my opinion, that's really bad management and so that excessive rest has given kids too much time to think about how awful their life is and how they can't go out with their friends and they're getting behind in their schoolwork mm. and they're not going to get picked in the in the football team and and so we get that psychological side of things and mood problems and and those kinds of things which are really unnecessarily if we intervene with appropriate management early,
1: mm. are those guidelines are they consistent across most kids?
0: Yeah, they are. I mean, and and there's now lots of guidelines out there, and they all pretty much say the same thing. That you know, the big points are the same. You know, get active, don't don't um, push yourself too fast, mm. but but um, be willing to suffer a few symptoms to um yeah. to make sure you improve. That's,
1: see that's that's a huge point because I always thought that it was when you took a hit to the head you just rested and chilled and did nothing.
0: Yeah, no that's not good to do. It's interesting talking to kids about why they worry about getting active and um particularly in the context of hit he- of headaches. Mm. Some kids will say that they're worried that if the, if they get a headache that that's actually doing more damage to their brain, and so we can pretty quickly reassure them that that's not the case, it's just that they you know their body's reacting to being too active too fast and they just need to cut it back a bit.
1: How is sleep affected by concussions?
0: Well, sleep can be a really big problem after concussion, and um and so often we pair sleep and fatigue together. so, One of the major, uh, apart from headaches, fatigue is the major symptom after concussion and it can last for longer than um, most other symptoms. And so what happens is kids feel fatigued, so they come home and have a sleep and then they can't sleep at night, so then they're up all night and then they're really tired the next day. So, you know, those two interact in a really negative way. There's lots of good ways to manage those kind of symptoms, you know, we we obviously can't solve them in the really early stages. But over time, what we what we do is give families and uh, kids information on sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. So, say, so, well, you might come home and be exhausted, but try and stay awake. It's a bit like when you're jet lagged. Yeah. Try and stay awake as long as you can to get your body clock back into its normal system. And that tends to work really well. There's occasional kids that will need medication like melatonin to, mm-hmm. to help them to get their sleep cycle and their fatigue under control. But that's relatively rare.
1: Yeah. Well, you can go across and listen to our sleep podcast that we just did. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. Oh, well,
0: yes, I better be saying the same things now. they are.
1: <laughs> so what sort of challenges can parents find themselves when trying to follow these guidelines?
0: I think a major challenge that we see is that keeping your child home from school and uh, out of sports means that you usually have to mm. take days off work. And and that's a really considerable issue for most parents. By the time kids are adolescents and, and playing sports and having lots of concussions, um, both parents are working and, and so it's a major challenge for them. And so often there's a tendency to, to say, oh, you're right and, and we'll go back and we really encourage them not to do that. Yep. I, I think there's also a major issue about overprotectiveness and so, the sort of the two extremes: overprotectiveness and worrying about the child going back to school, or, in, more importantly, going back to sport. And very often, um, we see kids whose families are pressuring them not to go back to sport, and that that can create real distress in a family, particularly if mums and dads have different views. Recently, I I saw a boy who um, was part of the draft pick for AFL and he'd had a concussion Mm -hmm. and he, you know, all his life goals centered around being an AFL footballer. And yet he'd had a concussion and some quite persisting symptoms. And one of his parents was really pressuring him to stop playing sport. And a, a lot of the work that I had to do there was helping to the parents to and the child to balance things and to not feel like they needed to make a decision straight away. Mm-hmm. Firstly, we needed to get him recovered. And then uh, it was really up to him. I think he was 17 or 18. It was up to him what choices he made, what risks he took with his life, because, you know, the risks are he might may never have another concussion.
1: Yeah. Or he well, may... he can recover from that previous uh, concussion. Yes, so,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, the, the lack of um, awareness and knowledge in this area it, is one, again, underpins these kinds of, of issues. It's really interesting and a surprise finding for us in our um, research. We found that one of the biggest factors for kids having persistent symptoms was parent anxiety. So the more anxious the parents were, the longer the kids' par- uh, symptoms
1: persisted.
0: Mm. So, you know, <laughs> I think we can never underestimate how important that parent-child relationship is.
1: Yeah, and it's re- concussions really just got that scary stigma about it, yeah, doesn't
0: it? it does. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and so you know, parents really worry about what their kids should do and what they should let them do. Mm. My comment here is always, well, yes, that's, that's a problem, but you don't want them getting obese from sitting playing with their screens all day either. <laughs> so, again, balance is a really important thing.
1: Yep. Concussion was produced and presented by me, Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Special thanks to Professor Vicki Anderson.
0: Listener.